I don't know about you, but the people that I talk to are often on the edge of something. Sometimes anxiety, sometimes fear, but so often when I scratch the surface and ask some questions, it really is an underlying sort of sadness. For a lot of the veneers of our world have been clawed away over these past couple of years. For many of us who lived with some blinders on that we didn't even realize that we had, things have been pulled back a little bit. And that has touched us in ways and made us anxious, made us fearful. And it's also, for some, made us angry. Much more likely to act out, even in our own homes, to hurt those that we care about the most, to say things that we wish we wouldn't have said. And I don't know that this time is really that much different than times in history. There are many times when things were not well in the world. And it's easy to get overwhelmed in our world. There's so much information. And so as I thought about this message this morning, tears, death, and hope, I started to just look at some things, to really confront myself with some things that probably ought to well up in us some tears. Drug overdose deaths in 2021. Now, they were up a pretty significant number in 2020. I didn't go back to 2020 because I wasn't going to go there. But drug overdose deaths in the United States were up 25% over the year before. So from, from basically 78,000 deaths from drug overdoses to 100,000 deaths from drug overdoses. Now that's, you think about the number of people in the United States, how many people in the United States, anybody know? Roughly? 300 million. Look at that. Somebody just popped that right off the top of their head. Look at that. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you very much. Somebody's been studying. How many, how many, what's the percentage of people in poverty in the United States? 332 million percentage of people in poverty. What's your guess? Do you know? 28%? No, about 11%. 32 million people. Now, the family of four household threshold to be listed in poverty is $26,172. I'm not for sure that I know of a community in the United States and America where a family of four at $27,000 could pay the rent, have food, and drive a vehicle to work. That's just my very cursory look at things. Children in poverty, this is interesting... 17.3% of children in the United States of America are in poverty. And food insecurity, meaning, and here's the definition of food insecurity, the household 
If you're not, if you don't have food insecurity, here's the deal. The household has enough food, enough healthy food for, well, no, enough food for the healthy life for all the household members. That's the definition of not of food secure. 11% of people in America are food insecure, meaning there's not enough healthy food in the household for everybody. Anybody's heart's broken yet? Let's talk. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for people aged 10 to 24. Suicide, second leading cause of death for people aged 10 to 24. LGBTQ plus youth, if you don't know what that is, ask your neighbor, are four times more likely to attempt suicide than their peers. Four times. One in four LGBTQ youth last year attempted suicide. One in four. A million COVID deaths we're up to now. Sort of a drop in a bucket, right? 332 million people, the million COVID deaths, whatever. Right? I mean, we sort of toss this in these numbers around. How about this? Well, America, what I think is interesting is um, American deaths, or in, in America, a million deaths. I mean, I think there's like six million deaths worldwide. I don't think we have one-sixth of the population in the world, do we? One-fourth? Okay, yeah. So we're, we're overachieving for COVID deaths, people. We, we've won the race in that, in that regard. Just want to say we should pound our chest for that. Gas prices, you all know about that. Mental health. To this day, in our country, in, and in this city, there is a wonderful place called Tucker's. And that is a stabilization unit. And as far as I know, up to a couple years ago, if you're having a mental health crisis, you might get, you might get to go to Tucker's until your health insurance runs out. And then you're out. And then oftentimes what happens is there's no handoff to a health professional. You want to hear my story about that from 25 years ago, I'll tell you about it later. It didn't happen here, it happened somewhere else. Same exact thing. I got stabilized, they sent me out. No diagnosis, no treatment plan. This is mental health in America. We think health care is bad. Mental health care is horrible. Heartbroken yet? Here's, here's some good news. American billionaires from March 2020 to October of 2021, American billionaires' wealth increased what percentage? Just take 70. 70% to $5 trillion. American billionaires own $5 trillion of wealth. You know how many people that is? 745. 745 people own $5 trillion. And that's just in America. It's just a stat. Poverty rate's down, though. Middle class, the middle class, what, and I, I don't know what our definition, I should have figured out what our definition of that is these days, but the middle class owns 5% less wealth than they did in 1990, even though household income has inched up just slightly since 1990. In one year, billionaires increased their wealth by 70%. 
Anyway, this income inequality thing, I think we really need to look at it. I mean, I'm not a big, like, everybody's got to be equal sort of person in terms of a capitalist society. Like, I'm, I'm all for people working hard and, and, and creating businesses and, and, and earning and, and doing things. But, but here's the thing, Christians. If these sorts of things don't break our hearts, then we need to check if we have one. And I know it's easy to get, to get overwhelmed because I'm overwhelmed by it, just by reading it to you today. This income inequality thing really gets me because how much do you need to make? How much do you need to make? I mean, what amount of money, and I'd love for you to research this, and I'm sure somebody has, how much amount of money would it take just to lift those that 11% out of poverty? Just get them where they can have work, have a place to live, and have food. We're not talking. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking that everybody's driving a Bentley. I mean, you know, let's get everybody a smart car, right? Save some gas. Maybe not a smart car, but we know what I'm talking about. I drive. I drive a dumb car. It's it's dumb because it eats a lot of gas and it. It still has rolled down windows like this. Anyway, it's all right. Gets me where I'm going. I mean, I, th- I find it unconscionable that in America, which we continue to bandy about as the greatest country in this world, and it is in many ways, the freedoms that we have are just amazing. I mean, the way that we are able to move about our country is so much different than if you've been around the world, like just the way that, you know, I mean, I haven't even mentioned anything internationally going on, folks. Like, we think we've got a path. You know anybody in Ukraine? Well, they're probably not there anymore, or they're under fire. Tears, death, and hope. Death is always among us. The Stoics, Marcus Aurelius, some of those folks, I thought had a really interesting, I don't know if it's Marcus Aurelius who said this, but had a really interesting thought about death is that, you know, death is not what's going to come to us. Death is actually what's happening to us. How, you know, just yell out your age if you're willing to. 53. 53 dead years behind me, people. They're dead. They're gone. I can't, I can't live those again. They're done. Death is always with us. Death is always... Just like Lazarus in this story, he's been resurrected from the dead. If, you, if, if somebody's been resurrected from the dead in your family and he's, he's around, you're, I think you're going to be thinking about death a lot. I mean, you're going to be super excited, right? Here's this person that gets to be with you. They were dead. But you're going to be thinking about it. Lazarus is right there with them in this scripture passage. He's raised from the dead and they gave him this dinner. Tears, death, death is always with us. That's, it's just a fact. I mean, we, it's part of being human. We're, <laughs> to die is part of what it means to be human. And, and, and death ought to humble us. It ought to, it ought to keep us in right relationship with each other. And with God, that's what humility means. Humility means that we're in right relationship. It doesn't mean let people walk all over you. It doesn't mean put yourself down. It doesn't mean think of yourself horribly. It doesn't mean, but it, what it means is know that you're a creature, not the creator. 
See yourself in right, put yourself in right relationship with God. Understand your relationship to other people, that, that you are worthy of honor just like the person that you're with. No matter how much they, you just want to punch them in the mouth. All right? Because I know some of you, not just the, you know, the men among us, get frustrated and angry. It's, it's this time. Like it, it's, it's, it's been very frustrating and angry. Lots of things are hard. Wearing a mask is hard. I mean, it's easy, but it's frustrating after a while. Right? I mean, how about, how about our, our you know, first responders and nurses and doctors who every day don a mask for 12 or 14 hours a day? I mean, I'm, I'm lucky I haven't really had to do that at all. But I, don't, I hadn't, didn't think much about them, you know? Like, I mean, again, it's humility. Like, just we can own what's going on with us. We don't have to, we don't have to downplay our struggles or our hurts. But we also are asked to see what God sees. And God sees our hurts. God sees our tears. God feels our death. So in this passage that we have here, at the end of it, this, is, this passage has been used a lot to sort of just say, well, you know, you always have the poor with you. You're going to always have the poor with you, so whatever. I don't know if you've ever heard it talked about that way, like, oh, we're, we're just going to accept that, whatever. So, but I found an interesting interpretation of this. The, the, the Greek verb in there, or the Greek language in there, can be read a couple of different ways, and it usually gets translated the way that you have it. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This person posited, you could translate this, that Jesus is saying, Keep the poor among you because you're not always going to have me among you. Keep them close to you. I read that as that's going to keep you in touch with the people that I love. Not that I don't love you, but Jesus hung out with the poor and the sinners and the prostitutes primarily. Now, he didn't shun other people in power. He did, he, he, you know, the Sanhedrin, the, the Pharisees, the priests, he, he was there with them too, but primarily the stories that we have are him with people who are closer to that poverty, modern definition, than, than others. And so it's interesting then, I mean, because Judas, like in this story, Judas gets a bad rap, but, but how, I mean, what, what would we be thinking? Like, here comes this woman. She's bringing this perfume, which is, which, which, you know, is an ointment for burial for death, and it costs a year's salary. So whatever you make, let's just say that that's what it is. So, so if you make $10,000 a year, it's $10,000. If you make $100,000 a year, it's $100,000. This perfume. She comes and she wastes it on him. And Jesus is like, man, we could have sold that. We could have, we could have given that to other people. What's interesting about that is apparently they kept a common purse, these itinerant disciples, and they gave money away to the poor. I'd never thought about that before. 
John believes that, and maybe Judas did, maybe Judas was really just a bad, bad, bad person, and he stole from that common purse and put it in his pocket and whatever. But I'm not here to talk about that. But wouldn't we be, because I'll hear it sometimes, like, why are we spending money on this when we could spend it on that? And then some people say, well, you've all, you'll always have the poor with you. Well, <laughs> yeah. Nobody said the Christian faith was an easy faith. Nobody said it was easy to have this kind of perspective, to have your heart broken by the things of this world and to be those who hear this word. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of what? Joy. Because here's the message throughout the scripture for, for our Jewish brothers and sisters who had the, the, the old, what we call the Old Testament. And of course for us as we hear both of these testaments together. Is that what happens in the scripture over and over and over again is, Lord, we are suffering right here. We are hurting right here. Death is always among us. Death is hurting us. We are sad. Our homes have been taken away from us, etc., etc., etc. And yet we know, Lord, what you did for us back here in that dead past, but we remember that you are the living God and you worked in that past. And so... And so, even though there's tears and there's death, we live with hope because we believe. We believe that you are at work even amongst this death and these tears. That you are working for our good. Which, I know sometimes the word that we attach to that in the midst of some of this stuff that's going on feels unbelievable. Right? Especially when, you know, a friend of yours, you know, we, another cancer diagnosis, another parent falls down, another test comes back with some crazy thing that you didn't expect. Unbelievable sometimes. But that, that is what our brothers and sisters in the faith, those who believe in this living God for generation upon generation and for thousands of years, Our tongue is filled with this word. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Let our tears be sown and let us reap joy. And then we get to the story of Jesus. This one who comes and we believe who is God, who's part of this triunity, the second person of the Trinity, pours himself out, takes on flesh and our weakness to be with us, to show us what it is like to live a life in concert with God. And it was not an easy life. And he is killed by the powers and the principalities. He is killed by our own expectations of what a Messiah is supposed to be. And yet God vindicates everything about his life. 
and conquers death and raises him from the dead. That even in the midst of our tears and even in the midst of death, we might sow seeds of hope. We might live out of that trust in God to live with hope. To be working at things. This week I was having a conversation with one of our members about some things in what we call diversity, equity, and inclusion. And about how, about how people are working, right, to, to make it so that, so that all people, when they are at work or in places of worship or wherever they are, know that they belong there. Whether they're white, black, native, whatever color they are, whatever flavor they are, that they would know that they belong there and that, that their voice could be heard. And she was sharing with me some resources. And, and she said, you know, this book doesn't have a real hopeful ending, this one. You know, she doesn't paint a rosy picture of how things are going to be. And I said, yep. I said, as positive as I generally am, and that's one of my strengths is positivity, and as futuring as I am and looking at the future and trying to make it better, I do not have any illusions that the work that we have been given to do ever ends in this lifetime. We are going to be pushing that rock our entire lives. And you know why we push it? Because we have hope. Because Jesus has given us a new life. And the Holy Spirit has given us the strength and the truth to move it forward. So that every person that doesn't look like me might be welcome around me. Every person that doesn't look like you might be welcome around you. Every person who doesn't identify like I identify, every LGBTQ plus person or whatever that is for you, that you feel welcome in my presence, that you feel welcome wherever you go and that we can have that conversation because Jesus gave us a new life that is filled with hope. So may your heart break for the things I talked about today and for all the other things going on. May it break because that breaks it open to receive the Spirit and to have a new life fill you once again so that your tears might be sown and we might reap with joy in the name of Jesus. Amen.